What it do? What it do? It's your boy Omer. And Temi. Alright, we just want to say thank you guys so much for the love you guys showed in the first episode. Uh, over a couple of streaming platforms, we had several hundred views. Yeah, we appreciate the love a lot, man. Like, we had over 100 views, and I wasn't even expecting nowhere near that amount. Yeah, so you guys just keep, you know, keep showing the love and support and sharing it with those people that you think would enjoy our content, and we're going to keep putting more out. But today, we actually have somebody else joining us. Isn't that right, Tammy? Yes, we do. All right, I'm going to let this guy introduce himself. What's up, guys? It's Joel, a good friend of Temi and Umares. I'm going to medical school with them, M2. Uh, and yeah, just excited to be on the podcast with both of them. They're doing great things, trying to join in. So, Joel, tell me, where, where are you initially from? I'm from Dallas, Texas. Right, so I'm sure this, uh, the rain, the hurricanes, are, are, those, are those common over there or no? Uh, we actually get tornadoes, but we, you know, we usually sleep through them because, you know, we're bad at it. <laughs> See, I feel, like, I feel like it's the same thing with us, Tammy, like us Floridians, is that like, we sleep through these hurricanes. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest, dude, if I was by a tornado, mm-hmm. I think I'd freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I don't know. Some of the tornadoes, you know, it's less widespread damage, but a lot more focal damage. It's very scary. You know, funny story, because when, before I got to Florida, I was always terrified of hurricanes. But every single time I talked to a Floridian about hurricanes, they would always tell me, what are you scared about? And like, I feel like whenever people talk about tornadoes, I say the same thing. What, do you, what are you guys scared about? Because usually tornadoes, in my opinion, haven't hit me, and, and, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, likewise, you know? Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. Um, also, another special thing about Joel and today is that it's his birthday. So happy birthday, Joel. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. You guys uh, showed out to me yesterday. I just want to say that these guys, Umer and Temi, Bilal Cody, they all put in, uh, got me a Ezekiel Elliott Dallas Cowboys jersey. We took that L yesterday, but, you know, it is okay. I still got the jersey. I, I'm, I really appreciate these boys. Yeah, of course, man. You know, you, you deserve it. Yeah. Um, so one thing I kind of wanted to, like, mention was that kind of how we met each other and kind of our first impressions of each other, you know? Um, like, so Temi and I... We, you know, went to the same high school. Granted, we were in different classes at that time, so we weren't, you know, we didn't talk a lot. And we also went to the same undergrad, but again, the same thing. It wasn't until really med school that you and I got really close. Yeah, med school is when we started hitting off a lot. Yeah, and with Joel, obviously Joel not being from Florida, the first time I met him was at school. It was actually at the beach. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do, I do. You know? I do. And so that was like the first time. What did you, what was your impression of Temi and I? So, was Temi there at the beach? I was not there at the uh, beach. So, the first time I actually saw Umer, funny, oh, again, another funny story. Um, my first impression of Umer was on our group me for our class, for our M2 class group me for medical school. And uh, I remember the first thing, the first time I noticed him was when he said, uh, I'll cross every single one of you guys over. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, who does this guy think he is? I'm like, he hasn't seen me play, so like, he's going he's gonna to learn today, right? And it's funny because when I saw him at the beach that day, you know, in my experience, you know, most Indian people are, you know, usually my height, maybe a little bit taller. But my God, I have never seen such a tall Indian in my personal life, like in person. <laughs> I, this, this guy is like 6'4", and I'm like, this guy does not look anything like he did in group me. And I'm, I was just like, wow. And, you know, that was, it was really interesting. But, you know, it's crazy because, you know, uh, it's funny because after we played, uh, we played volleyball, I uh, came up to him and you know, he talked to me about getting his chuckles, which are sandals, you know, and so like, I was like, oh, okay, so he knows the lingo, he knows this, he's, he's, he's a true bomb boy. And then we just hit it off from there, you know, we became good friends like from day one. So that was a, it was really great and I'm really grateful for meeting 
Umer and Tammy both. So, nah, bro. Likewise, <laughs> uh, and just over this past year, man, like it's something that I guess you don't realize until you're in med school is that how much time we actually spend with each other. You know, it's like you study with the same people, you relax with the same people, you know, you talk shit with the same people. It's it's they're always around you. So having that good core group of friends, you know. And I think our entire class is like that, really, where it's like we're all very close and like it's like a family environment. But, you know, especially like with the guys, you know, it's it's, it's a brotherly bond mm-hmm. for sure. Like so Umir, so we've known each other a while, so we didn't really get that pure first impression. But what was your first impression of Joel? Yeah, dude, you know, when I first you know, kind of saw him and, you know, talked to him. It was just like, dude, yeah, this guy is, you know, really, really nice. He's a dope guy. Very, very sweet and humble. I think the first thing I actually noticed about him was his smile. He has, like, a really big, like, <laughs> smile. <laughs> no, you're making me blush. No, I'm being very straight up here. It's, I think he has a really, really nice smile. And it does. It makes you feel very welcome, you know? And you're somebody who kind of wears his heart on his sleeve all the time. And it's something that I'm, you know, I've learned a lot from you especially. It's kind of, you know, don't bottle your emotions and, you know, just be your best self. And I think that's something that I learned from, from Joel specifically. All right. So my first impression of Joel, I actually thought he was a gunner. Right? <laughs> All right. So for those unfamiliar with the med school lingo, a gunner is essentially like a tryhard, someone who uh, wants to be at the top. And there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times it comes at the sabotage of others, you know, or just putting others down. You know? So... But he's actually not like that at all. He's the furthest thing from that. Complete opposites. Like, you know, I wouldn't be hanging around with him if he was. Yeah. I remember, I remember the first time I met Temi was actually on our first day of school. Um, so I actually... The thing about Temi is I actually, I actually went through our Facebook group beforehand. I was, you know, scoping out who people are. And I saw Temi and I happened to go, oh, wow. You know, so I clicked on him. And I saw his banner was the same fraternity that I was in in college. And, uh, you know, shout out to Beta Chi Theta. Uh, but, you know, I actually, I noticed that. And so then on the first day of medical school, I actually went and sat next to him and we actually had a conversation. It was brief. All I said was, hey, bro, I think you watched, watched the same fraternity I did. He's like, oh yeah, I did. And that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan to the yeah. No, we love that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in Kind of in the gist of, you know, again, being in medical school, especially specifically being in an osteopathic medical school, kind of what's been hot right now, especially on social media with a recent uproar is uh, something that was recently, you know, posted on CNN or a comment made uh, on CNN about osteopaths. And I kind of want to get your guys' take on that. Pretty much what is what makes somebody an md or a do and is there really a difference for those in the audience that don't know um i kind of want to get your guys we'll get you guys to kind of explain the situation okay so the difference between md and do is largely historical like um mds were also known as allopathic physicians uh, allopathic medicine that's what they practice and do's practice osteopathic medicine um Obviously, osteopathic came around after allopathic medicine because the founder, A.T. Stowe, thought there was a, a failure, a gap in, in the way allopathic medicine was being practiced, and then they weren't fully treating the patients. That's the general idea behind it without getting into too much details. But the reason why the divide still exists today is because the companies that oversee them, such as the AOA, you know, the AMA, um, the AMA all of them, like the things that oversee the, those um licensing organizations as the NBO, ME, NBME, 
they make a lot of money off of those services. And to combine them, you know, everyone's profits would decrease. So it's actually beneficial for them monetarily to keep the divide. But educational-wise, we take the same classes. We learn the same topics. The only difference is that we take two, about roughly 200 extra hours of a hands-on technique called osteopathic manipulative medicine. And it, it essentially helps us treat some muscular cells, the disorders, lymphatic drainage, things like that. You know, it's not a magic pill or anything where you can cure anything with your hands, but like it can help in certain situations. Well, first off, I think my opinion, I think I needed, I needed to speak on CNN for a second. Because I feel, and again, I'm not trying to jump into politics here, but, you know, CNN is a major news outlet. We know millions of people watch this. And, of course, they inform us of the daily things going on, major events. But with that, you know, comes a sense of journalism where they need to watch what they say. You know, referring to... President Trump's physician as who we know is an osteopath, you know, right off the bat, comes off with a negative connotation. You know, right then, right then and there, you're thinking, uh, oh, what is an osteopath? And so if you look it up right now, there are so many searches on what is an osteopath on Google. So many searches because people are trying to figure out what it is because, like, what is so bad about an osteopath? People might be thinking in their heads. So that's like the first part of why people, I, why I just got to say that about, like that's, I just think it was just unprofessional journalism on that part. And I believe that I saw some things on Twitter, for example, people asking for a direct apology. And I think that's warranted. I, I don't think that, I think CNN was the journalist. I'm not, I don't know too sure who it was, but she, or he or she was uh, not educated enough to, or in, misinformed, should I say, to give a negative connotation on the matter. Um, and then, I guess, speaking on the actual MD versus DO, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, like, like Temi already kind of already uh, brought up, you know, we have the same uh, medic, we have the same, we're still medical doctors, we're still licensed medical doctors. We, we, and actually, actually, Temi brought up a really good point yesterday. And, you know, it's funny because when someone was going to ask me, are you licensed? I mean, yeah, we took, not, we will not only be taking the, our board exam, which is the Comlex. But we will, we will also be taking the, the USMLE exam, which is also their board exam. So we're not only be taking our own board exams, but their board exams as well. Um, and it, 16 hours of standardized testing. 16 hours, <laughs> right? And in addition to that, you know, what people don't realize is the osteopathic philosophy, it includes over 200 hours of osteopathic manipulation treatment, which is just something extra that you have under your belt. You know, when I was at my, after my first semester of medical school, I, because I learned neck treatments, I was able to do these treatments on my parents who were suffering with chronic neck pain, back pain, things I was able to do immediately and get immediate relief. And my mom, I, and it's crazy because my mom was like, wow, my neck feels so much better. My dad was like, oh, my back feels so much better. And that right there, it's, that is what, in essence of being a doctor, you're trying to treat patients, you're trying to get people better in any way you can. And I believe by the osteopathic philosophy, is that, that right there is one of the, the biggest benefits, the fact that you learn this OMT treatment. What do you think, Umair? You guys both made very good points. And what I would want to mention, and I think you guys would all agree with me in this, is the degree does not make the doctor, right? Agreed. I think it's very important to realize that as somebody, whether you're an MD or a DO, you've completed rigorous American medical education, gone through hundreds of hours of rotations and, you know, observing physicians and really learning these diseases and processes and management techniques. 
But at the end of the day, the empathy, the humanity, the care you provide for your patients does not inherently being an MD or a DO make you better than one or the other. You know, and, and you get down to the philosophy of it. The osteopathic philosophy is, you know, says holistic approach. And, and I really do believe in that. It's a mind, body, and spiritual approach to medicine. However, at the end of the day, we all know MDs that are amazing, DOs that are amazing, but we, on the counterpart, we also know MDs that aren't very good and DOs that aren't very good. So again, it really comes down, I think, that the degree does not make the doctor. I agree. Life's literally, like, it's what you make of it. Um, I like to think of medical school as an essentially a gamble in yourself like yes you are investing in yourself but it is a gamble you know you go in hundreds of thousand dollars in debt to hopefully come out on top on the other side you know and learn the information that you need to learn but it's what you make of it if you go through medical school just trying to be average you know you will be an average physician you know you're not 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 going to be splendid about that all right now you guys make all really good points um and I, I, we kind of touched on this last week too so i don't want to like spend too much time talking about this but i think it's very important that we at least address you know, currently what's going on and inform those viewers that aren't in the healthcare or the medical field. But what I do want to talk about, something that has changed from our first episode to now, woo, woo. Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. 2020 Stanley Cup champions. That's, that's right, Sammy. And the great thing is, you know, boo. so the reason why he's saying boo, right, is because Joel is from Dallas, and if you guys weren't aware, Tampa Bay actually beat Dallas in the finals. Joel, I want to kind of get your thoughts on that. Well, I'll be very honest. Um, I, I did not really watch hockey before this. My only impression of hockey and even the Dallas Stars before this year was back when 2000, I still remember the phone book, uh, this, the um, Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup championship in 2000. I was like, wow. We were good, and that's this was 20 years ago. And so the fact that we made it back 20 years later, and the fact that I'm from Dallas, living in Tampa, and it's Dallas versus Tampa, you know, I, I got excited about it. I was like, wow, this is maybe a good opportunity to get involved into hockey. But to much my dismay, uh, we lost. <laughs> we lost in six games. But so, but you know, honestly, hockey's an exciting sport. And honestly, you know, we can make the argument. We that, maybe that's for another podcast. Hockey, I think. It's probably the difficult, most difficult sport. I mean, I, I, I would agree. I think, that. Like, and that's for another day. <laughs> but like, you get a true appreciation of how difficult. I can barely ice skate. So the, the, the fact that they're doing that and doing these crazy shots. I mean, like much, like huge props. That's 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 unbelievable athleticism. So no, absolutely. And again, the city of Tampa Bay. I've been a loyal Tampa Bay fan with any sport, you know, whether it be football, basketball. There's no Tampa Bay basketball team, so I'm an Orlando Magic fan by geography. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a diehard Tampa fan, you know. And we've had a rough, I'd say, a good decade since we brought any, you know, actually more than a decade since we brought anything to the city. It's been a drought. And right now, I'm gonna be honest with you, dude. All of the Tampa Bay sports teams are looking really hot. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday. Tom Brady was looking like a goat. Five touchdowns. Granted, he had an interception for pick six, but still, five touchdowns, 369 yards. He was looking like, you know, goat status Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, Tom Brady looked phenomenal. I'm so excited for the Bucks this season, bro. So excited. I can't wait till. I have the Bucks winning the whole thing, but you know who else looked exciting on Sunday? 
I hate to say it because I'm not a big Cowboys fan, but Dak Prescott was playing amazing. He was playing amazing last Sunday. And, you know, just to touch on a couple points. First, Tom Brady, you know, the GOAT. I, I think that's, again, that's another debate that we can have. Coming down seven in the fourth quarter, still overcoming the fact that he had a pick six. Very similar to Super Bowl when he had a pick six, down 23, came back, still overcame it. You know, that's the thing about Tom is the fact that one of his biggest strengths is how he pushes back and comes back. But, yeah, on to the point about Dak Prescott. Listen, there was so much talk about his contract over the summer about how he was not paid. But this man has, made, has set an NFL record, 450 yards in three straight games. No other NFL player has done that. This man is putting the team on his back single-handedly. And I think, Jerry, we need to pay this man. <laughs> you heard that, Jerry Jones? <laughs> so I guess we'll find out in a couple of uh, months if Dak will get paid or not. But somebody else that carries you know, their city on the back, Batman with Gotham City. And the reason I say that is because I actually saw the new Batman trailer with Robert Pattinson yesterday. And I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but damn, it looked good. I'm really excited for that movie too, bro. <laughs> like, honestly, like Robert Pattinson is such a great actor. You know, like he feel he he delivers every role so quality. Like, I'm excited for how he portrays Batman and the heights he's gonna take it to. Very excited. I want to specifically mention something. I'm actually a really big superhero fan. Batman is my favorite superhero, and the Joker. I think the Joker on bias is probably the most well-made villain. You know. You know how diabolical he is, but for some reason, it's just hard to hate on him. Uh, he's Whether realistic, too. He's very realistic. I agree. And in lieu of a recent Joker movie, which I thought was phenomenal, I want to ask you guys, and maybe this might get too heated or maybe it might not, I want to spend maybe a minute or two on this. Which Joker performance was better, Joaquin Phoenix or Heath Ledger? You know, this is a tough one. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Heath Ledger did a phenomenal job in The Dark Knight. Um, and I think throughout the all three movies, right, Was he, he was featured, correct? Um, but, you know, we had this debate yesterday, but honestly, I don't know if it's because of recency bias or what, but I'm going to have to go with Joaquin Phoenix, man. I mean, listen, just every single thing. Like, just, I think one thing I really appreciate about the movie, and I don't want to get this confused with... Do I appreciate the movie more or do I appreciate Joaquin Phoenix more? Because I just feel like the way, even that last scene with Robert De Niro, even his facial expressions were to the T. Um, just like, I don't know, man. It was just such a powerful, that scene itself, I think, captured the essence of Joker. And um, I don't know, man. I, I can, again, we can, I can keep talking about this, but tell me what's your opinion, man. I don't know, man. Joaquin Phoenix didn't. Splendid job. Actually, like, spectacular job in the last Joker movie, but I think I might have to go to Heath Ledger. Uh, his acting was just, like, his commitment to the craft was just something else. Like, I don't know the exact days, but, like, he literally withheld himself from social interaction for a, a substantial amount of days to, just so he could purposely drive him insane, a little insane, so he could fill the role of Joker better. And his mannerisms, the way he would speak, the way he would gently lick his lips in between words the way he would just like move his fingers in very like diabolical ways I know, like, everything was just on point with Heat Ledger I'm gonna have to go Heat Ledger on this one I would also agree with Temi um, I think both performances were was just phenomenal however the Heat Ledger performance I think was 
it, he was just remarkable in the way he delivered his lines, his mannerisms, and you know you could attribute this to Christopher Nolan or the writers or even Heath Ledger, but some of the quotes from that movie are just you know why so serious? Like they're just you know things that will carry with us forever. Um, but with that said, there is something that I kind of want to mention, and it's on a, ser- a more serious note. And I think kind of we have the platform to do this, so I kind of wanted to highlight this. In China, there is, and to put it in, in, in it straight up, it, there's a genocide happening right now, right? There's an ethnic cleansing with the Uyghur Muslims in China. And I wanted, I wanted you two to also do commentary on this, because I think it's important that we discuss this. Just the heinous, heinous acts that are occurring over there. Well, first and foremost, what's happened is just an injustice to everyone. Like, essentially, they came into the Uyghur region and they told the Uyghur Muslims that, hey, at first we're just relocating you, nothing bad. But now, like, this actual genocide happened. And, like, it's, I believe the death toll has already surpassed the Holocaust, if I'm not mistaken. And in total, like, this is not a small amount of people. Like, first of all, China has a huge population. So even a small fragment of the population is a lot. But I believe the Uyghur Muslims make up about 12 million of China's population. That's a large number of people. And these and they're just being handled injustly, like they're being raped, they're being killed, they're being murdered. I think one of the most astonishing things, and obviously this is like, I've, I've heard about it in recent news, and, I, and maybe I need to do more research and more, uh, get a better understanding about it. But I think, uh, Umer, is that, I think you believe you told me that it was, it, they, they uh, surpassed the amount, the total death toll of those, uh, uh, massacred from the Holocaust, right? Yeah. Which is insane because, you know, when we learn about history, we think about, wow, you know, there was many people killed during the Holocaust. But the fact that this is happening right now and really, I'll be honest with myself, I, barely, I just heard about this and which that's, that's astonishing to me how this is not getting more coverage. And I think and, and I, I've been at fault for this, and, and I know many other people may also share the same views. When we read in the history books about, you know, certain events of the past, such as, you know, the Holocaust, we say, oh, if that happened, like, that could never happen now, right? The world is too globalized, you know, we're, we're better than that. We'd never let something like that happen. And yet here we are in 2020, and this is occurring. So to me, it's now this is happening, and yet the world is either quiet about it or, in, and a lot of people don't know that it's happening. So I guess it's up to us, you know, those that are informed of this to spread the news and do what we can to help those that need our help. And guys, we'll be posting some links in the, either the description or info box um, on the Anchor website and hopefully on whatever post we distribute this podcast episode through to how you can help. But I would just like to encourage everyone to just call their representatives and senators and ask them to s- support um, the bill. It's called S.3471. 
And this is a bill that is meant to put sanctions on China and to actually like start holding them responsible for what they're doing because if no one does anything about this, this will continue and then this and this will continue and people will continue to die and for no reason and nothing will be done about it. So yeah, we just request you guys um, check the, check out the link and share if you guys can and inform those uh, you know around your classmates, friends, family members of what's going on. Uh, but with that said, uh, we kind of want to wrap up the episode today. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening in and you know showing the immense support that you guys already have. Again, you know share this podcast with your friends, family members, and we really really do appreciate it. All right. So, you guys, thanks for listening. As again, you already know what it is. What it do. What it do. What it do.